0: What is up, you guys? Welcome back. This week, we've got a special guest with us, Dan Purcell. He's the co founder and CEO of Get Your Marriage On. Nathan, you want to tell us a little bit more about Dan?
1: Yeah. So, Dan is a super awesome guy, and Get Your Marriage On is an awesome, awesome company. They have several podcasts, they have a couple of different blogs, but kind of the coolest thing that they have going on is they have developed several apps designed to help you guys and help us all with our lives sexually. So, he has an app, it's called Intimately Us. Which is super, super awesome. And it's like, it's a clean, Christian friendly sexual app to help you and your partner to like kind of get out of your comfort zone and just improve your life sexually in every single way. So there's like games on there, there's different questions and like icebreakers, there's like a bunch of different challenges and like prompts, and there's different like articles and tips and tricks. There's all these different things. And the best part about it is that it's all clean. So that if you're looking for like a really good resource to learn more about sex, improve your sex lives. Intimately Us is an awesome, awesome app. And Dan is kind of like the main man behind this awesome app and this awesome company. They have tons of great resources to help you improve your intimacy and your sex lives.
0: Totally. So on this episode, we're just going to be talking to him a little bit about that app and just his journey. I found his story to be really interesting mm-hmm. and how he came about discovering his his passion for this, this topic, the this yeah. subject with his wife. And I just love how really his intentions are so pure that he wants Everyone's marriage to be as awesome as it can be, yeah. which is our goal as well. Right. We share that same goal. And, and he has found that intimacy really is related to so many other yeah. things. So we're Absolutely. super excited for you guys to be able to listen to this episode and hear some of his wisdom about this topic.
1: Yep. So get your pens out, and get ready to take some notes and get some great wisdom and start having some great sex once you're married.
0: Once you're married, <laughs> we'll see you guys in there.
1: Welcome to the Marriage Prep Podcast. I'm Nathan Hooper.
0: And I'm Allie Hooper. In this podcast, we will give you all the resources that you need to go from dating or engaged to creating a lasting marriage that will bring you more happiness than you ever thought possible.
1: Here, we're going to interview experts and discuss important topics like how to know if your partner is right for you. We will provide you guys a list of questions and conversations that you need to be having to make sure you're both ready for marriage and on the same page.
0: We will even dive deep into topics like sexual intimacy, finances, how to have a fair fight, and a whole lot more to make sure you can step up to that altar with complete confidence.
1: So subscribe now and make sure you guys don't miss any episodes and we'll see you in there. What is up guys? We are super excited to have Dan Purcell here with us. Dan is from an awesome company called Get Your Marriage On. So welcome Dan, happy to have you here. Hey, thanks. This is an honor. <laughs> no, <laughs> honor is ours. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but Dan, we want to hear from you. Tell us about your story, about kind of developing your company, your app, how it all went through. Just tell us tell, tell us about yourself.
2: Oh, thanks. I My wife and I have been married for 18 years. We live in beautiful St. George, Utah. And we've had a, I guess you'd say, we got really lucky. We've been friends since middle school. We dated a little bit in high school, but we really got serious after college and whatnot. And we've just had a pretty good marriage. About 13 years into our marriage, I had a conversation with a friend. And he really opened up about his sex life to Mm. me. And I don't know about you, but I normally don't have conversations with friends about their sex life. And so it really caught me off guard. I was really uncomfortable too. Mm. And I think I was uncomfortable that I was uncomfortable. But there was something about what he said that was really sincere. So the conversation went something along the lines of like how... His wife kind of came to him and said, you're not taking care of me sexually enough. I really want you to step up your game. Mm. And he's sharing some of the things that they were trying and doing that really made sex more enjoyable for her and for him. And But he was really sincere. He's like, this is really great stuff. Yeah. And he's telling me like some blogs that he found, some podcasts and things like that. So anyway, I was caught off guard, but I was really self-conscious. So I went home that day and I said, hey, hey, Emily how am I doing as a lover? <laughs> like, maybe you've got the, some like the question. things you've never told me, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> but probably for the first time in our marriage, like we actually had really deep, intimate conversation about how our sex life is. And not that we haven't had conversations up until then, we just had a lot of anxiety around it. Mm. Like we knew the basics and the mechanics, but my friend is telling me like about this other stuff that I've always like, no, if it's sex, it must be bad. Mm. Like, because we both kind of grew up from families where sex wasn't talked about in a very like the pleasure side was rarely if right, ever talked about it was always on the thou shalt not category yeah. conversation. Uh-huh. so we kind of inherited the that thinking that anything sexual or talking about things to enhance sexuality must be in the um the wrong side of the street and that's a side we just didn't venture into but like so when my friend is talking about how these things are really good and good for his marriage and it really brought him and his wife closer together. Mm-hmm. It really challenged my thinking, and so it really challenged our thinking. So we 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 probably stayed up to like two a.m. that night talking about about our sex life and mm-hmm. our expectations, and and then the next night, and then the next night, and just for like next few weeks, we decided we needed to learn more. So we bought a few books, and we're really apprehensive about like what the books might have. So mm-hmm. we're like really careful But right. like, of course, as newlyweds, people gift you books like. Some popular ones like that desert book has like, mm-hmm. um, Thou not ashamed. Uh, first comes marriage or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. It, when we got married, this is before Laura Brotherson and like her popular books came along, but they kind of tell you a little bit, but nothing in depth or help. Right. And then there was another book that we read early on called the act of marriage. I think it's still recommended by some people today but it wasn't that helpful for us because we really didn't have a good reference point. Yeah, And I think we were also really immature at the time. So having kind of this idea, like maybe there's some really good helpful books out there today that could help us. So we, we bought a few books and we just started to read together and we started like trying out some of the things together mm-hmm. and just really like connecting. And we got really, really close really quick. And, I don't know. It's like our marriage just really took off. Like we had a good marriage, but it went from like good to like really great in a short amount of time because we're like clicking in the bedroom. And something I've learned too is when your sex life is really good, it impacts everything else in your life. Mm. Like it it impacts the way we parent together. And we're on the same page in other areas like financially or raising our kids. My work, my performance is better. I have a spring in my step. I'm optimistic about the future. And all those things also contribute to things outside of the bedroom, also contribute to things inside the bedroom too. So it's like this virtuous cycle of, of, like, of things that are really good for both of us. Wow. We really like that.
0: What an inspiring story. I think that's so cool that like, it really is so much more than just intimacy and sex. There's, there's so much more to it and it really does impact everything in a marriage. So that's a really, it's obviously a very important aspect mm-hmm. of marriage. And when you fix that, it sounds like it, it like rises the the saying we rise with the tide. Yeah. boats rise with the tide. The aspects of your marriage, oftentimes, it sounds like get better as your sex life gets better, yeah. which is really awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so you guys had this awesome experience. You kind of like your marriage just took off because you kind of figured things out in the bedroom. How did that then take you into developing these couple apps you've done, your podcast, your get get get, them, get your marriage on brand? Tell us more about that side as well.
2: So we. My background's in software development. And one of the things that really helped us connect in the bedroom was making sex fun. Because before then, we just took it way too seriously. Oh, of course. And probably because we're limited in experience and understanding too. But like some of our best sexual memories are when we make sex really fun, when we make it a game mm. and we can talk about different ideas and yeah. make it creative and fun if you want to. Yeah. But one of the things for us was like, if we can make it fun, it takes the pressure off sex. It makes it, Something we can both really enjoy and just laugh and be goofy all the mm-hmm. way through. Mm-hmm. And anyway, an app just made sense. If we can make a game that's sexy, yeah, that's kind of in an app, it's portable. You don't have to have the lights on if you don't want to. You mm-hmm. can play on the bed or on the floor or wherever you are. Like, it's just the app just made sense. Yeah. One of the things that we cared about is you can go on the app store and you'll see lots of sex game apps. Mm-hmm. But they're crass and raunchy. Right. So we wanted to kind of be different from all that, something kind of in line with our values. So we created this app called Intimately Us that's full of bedroom games and activities for couples that bring them together intimately.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And it's not just the other apps focus just on the sexual aspect. And I believe great sex, the very best sex you can have is intimate sex. I love that. and uh, So we focus on the intimate side of sexuality
1: as well. Yeah, I, I love Ally Allie and I have had the chance to kind of test out the app and look through it. And that's one of the things that we really love is that it's just all clean resources. But there's also a bunch of like awesome blogs about like teaching you and learning like everything. And you know, you're not going to come across like, anything pornographic or anything super raunchy or nasty. You know, it's just like everything is just like clean and designed to help you with your connection, not just like... Of course, we want to have better experiences in the bedroom, but also help you with your connection, which is just as important. But what are some of like, your favorite things? Like, Tell us, like, kind of give us run through about, about the app. What are some of your favorite things about it? What do you think would help newlywed couples or engaged couples? What features of the app do you think would be best for them? If I was engaged, about to be married,
2: I would download the app uh, with my fiance, and we would go through a part of it called the sexploration list. Mm. And, and the reason why I think that's really important is a lot of... Newlyweds coming into marriage are anxious about having a conversation about sex Mm -hmm. before they're married. Right. right? For a good reason. They've been taught that. And maybe their parents are a little anxious talking about it too, Mm -hmm. or they may have heard some things from their friends about, oh, it can be really painful or it can be really lame or whatever, right? So you have all these fears and unknowns, and where you might have a sexual history yourself. So you've got that baggage, if you look at it as baggage coming into that relationship. So there can be a lot of things that make couples anxious. So the only way to really get around that, I think, is to really have an open and honest and just a great conversation about sex. I heard about a newlywed couple on their wedding night. Just like it was an awful first experience for them mm-hmm. because he had expected like oral sex was like right. the big thing he was expecting and hoping for. And to her, she was like, absolutely no way. That's not. Mm-hmm. At all, what I envision, what I envision, a great sex life, including at all, and they never had that talk. So, for their first time, they're getting together on their wedding night, and he's expecting this, and she's expecting the exact opposite. Yeah, that really adverse to that idea, and so they, right off the bat, they had a really a big struggle in their sexual relationship because they didn't talk about it first. Right. So, this exploration list will go walk you through a, a whole bunch of ideas. There's like about 200 questions mm-hmm. divided into different packs. And each of you answer like thumbs up, thumbs down, or maybe. Mm-hmm. And you can add notes. And as you complete a pack, you can compare answers with each other. So, you can kind of quickly find out and yeah. guide you. Like, it's supposed to be the, the start of a conversation. Yeah. Various things.
1: I love that. That was something that Ali and I looked through as well this exploration list. And that's something I think is crucial for newlywed couples just to start the conversations to be able to like open up. It can be tough to like initially have those conversations when everything in your life has been up to this point. It's been no, 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 no. And now it's like, okay, it's okay now. How do we break the ice a little bit? How do we start having those conversations? That's a tool that Ali and I looked through and I thought was really awesome. What is there any other tools that you think that would be great? Oh, you'd recommend maybe for like newlywed couples?
2: There's the the learn section is really helpful because it has a lot of like what you said earlier, how-to articles on mm-hmm. how to do various things, yeah. but also just how to have a good attitude. I had a, a woman write me recently about, she read the article about how to feel sexy in your own skin, mm-hmm. and that totally changed the way she approached sex, because oh. she's always been a little too conscious about if she's sexy enough. And the standard that she was comparing herself to was, of course, a in her mind, something completely made up, something totally unattainable. And so whenever she questioned her sexiness, she was comparing herself to some image she'll never, never reach up to. In fact, I don't think any human will ever Uh, reach up to because it's fabricated, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then the article just explained like how sexiness is actually born within. Like it's take whatever talents and gifts God has given you and do that in the bedroom. And that is attractive because that's the whole reason why your spouse married you in the first place. Yeah. And once you kind of got that kind of in her head, all of a sudden she's like, I'm really good at being goofy. I don't, it doesn't have to be about my body size or shape. I can be really goofy and fun. And that is really attractive to my spouse. Yeah. So that's my sexy superpower, yeah. for instance. That's awesome. So I think having a really good understanding of like what makes for a good intimate life, Really helps with that yeah. for newlyweds or for those just yeah. about to get married.
1: Just being your a super authentic self, not trying to put on some kind of show or being something that you're not. I love that. I think that's awesome. Now, I, so, yeah, what are some of like, I know with the, with the app, it sounds like there's also, I know Allie and I looked through it and like there's some, there's some different games, there's some different things that you can do, kind of some ways oh, to yeah. kind of explore, kind of some ways to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that part as well. Yeah. I'd say this is more for after you're married.
2: Yeah. So there's bedroom games and there's a whole bunch of them there. Uh-huh. And, Essentially how the game works is there's various spice levels and you always start with a lower spice level Mm -hmm. and it advances as you play. Uh, You take turns. So you might start with like, give her a shoulder rub for a minute Uh and then it switched to like, okay, uh, kiss passionately. And then it just, you can let your imagination go. But it like builds up from there. Okay, There's also like switches and toggles. So if you're not comfortable about certain categories of sexual behavior, you can turn those off Mm -hmm. or turn those on. You can also customize it to
1: like add your own if you want to. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, that, that's that's awesome. And I think it's just a perfect way, like what Ali and I have discovered with it is that it's just a perfect way of kind of breaking the ice, just kind of exploring some different things. Like it can be easy to kind of get into like the same routine, but this is a yeah. great way to like learn some different things in a clean way, in a healthy way, in a way that's kind of built on connection and also just be able to explore and have a fun time. And just like like you said, Dan, just like your marriage just took off because you just figured out this thing. It was kind of like a, a foundation piece. Mm-hmm so I want to kind of go back to that, though. Why do you feel like sex is so important? Why do you feel like kind of getting that one that piece of your marriage right has affected so many other areas of your life? Tell me, tell me about that.
2: I think a lot of couples think sex is like the dessert. It's a cherry on top. It's like the little extra after you've done all the drudgery of everything else in the marriage. So it's like after we're connecting emotionally, after we're doing all the things, then we can start to think about sex later. And what that does is it relegates sex to like this side thing and you ignore the fact that how fundamental it can be for the happiness of the whole relationship. There's something really I think the way God has designed sex to be, it really is the most intimate way two people can become together. It's very uh first of all, just initiating sex is very vulnerable. Yeah. Like, do you want to have sex tonight? Like that's a very vulnerable thing to ask. And then actually getting into the sexual act, undressing, just really being together, you're exposing parts of your self, your body, your mind, your heart, with someone else that you wouldn't in any other way. So, the intimacy is very exposing, but it's also very liberating if you can have freedom in it. Because now you're with someone that you can see them in this new way that will that's uh, that really endures you them, endures you to them, mm. and that can really bind you close to them. Because now you feel like. You have someone that sees you as you are and accepts you as you are. And, and vice versa, you see them and accept them as they are. Yeah. From a biological standpoint, too, sex is very bonding through orgasm. You have a release of oxytocin, which is very... It's, it's like that neurochemical in your brain that really binds a man and wife together. It's also really pleasurable and can be a great stress reducer. It helps you sleep better. It makes you look younger and it can be a whole lot of fun too yeah. it's, it can be great
1: recreation. That's awesome. so I mean it sounds like just like having that like vulnerability the comp like just knowing that your sex life with your with your wife with your husband is is solid is comfortable is it's a safe place like just improves every, every other aspect of your marriage just because you feel you've done those vulnerable things you've been like totally yourself with that person, you've been authentic, like you've been you, and doing that helps you in every other aspect of your life Yes, that's awesome. And I th- I definitely want to testify that, too. I think that, like, whenever you do have those great experiences, like, you just feel so much better. Like, you just feel on top of the world. Like, everything is just clicking. Like like you said, like, you just have a little pep in your step. You know, you're just happy. You know, it's just, it's awesome.
0: I also love what you said about how it's just you, you and your wife. And that's, like, or you and your husband, right? That's, it's between the two of you. And that's something that, that no other relationship in your life has, yeah. right? And that's something that sets apart marriage from any other relationship, which I really like. Yeah.
1: Right. And so I I've done some research. You know, I've listened to some of your other podcasts. And you guys have some super awesome content. So if you guys haven't checked out Get Your Marriage On, definitely go listen. To them. they have some awesome podcasts, awesome blog posts. But I specifically listened to one where you talked about like duty sex, where it's like you're talking about, you know, like having this like obligation where one spouse feels like they're obligated to give sex because the other spouse was constantly asking for it. And I know that there's, you know, that's just one issue. But what are some of like other issues that you've seen throughout your, you know, throughout doing, going through this journey? Where couples are falling into these like sexual like pitfalls, sexual issues under their marriage. Like, what are some of the most common ones that you've kind of come across? You've that you've seen.
2: I thought of four right off the top of my head. There might be more as we talk, but like the first one is like the duty sex mentality. Mm-hmm. And to briefly go over that, it's when. So I believe the very best sex is intimate sex, which to me means it's very connecting and very pleasurable. But we as humans have the ability to give meaning to what we do, right? So. When sex means connection and pleasure, it, and intimacy, that's that's like when sex is at its very best. But any other meaning you apply to it kind of loses that connection and pleasure piece. So, duty sex is when you approach sex like I'm obligated mm. or I'm owed this. That's like you're entitled to it, or you do things for your spouse to earn sex. Yeah, <laughs> um, so it becomes kind of transactional. And it loses the meaning that sex is about connection and pleasure. It's now about re- getting paid back or um, getting a favor done. Or it's about, it's now your duty to mm-hmm. take care of your spouse like that. And that's when you get into a duty sex pattern in your marriage, sex doesn't feel very intimate. It doesn't feel very fulfilling. Yeah, And the way people in a duty sex frame, unfortunately, they stay stuck in it because they think they need to do more of the things that got them in the duty sex rut in the first place, so okay. that's one mistake I see a lot. Another is this is more common for wives, I see, but it's the mentality that sex is for him mm. so it's it's something a good wife does for her husband, and it's kind of related to duty sex, but he doesn't realize that she has enormous sexual potential in in herself' A lot of her sexual education is mostly on the reproduction side, but not on the pleasure side. But when you come to think about it, anatomically speaking, God designed woman to have a body part whose sole purpose is to give her pleasure. There is no other purpose than to give her pleasure, and it's, it's, it's her clitoris. So when she can really understand that sex is just as much for her and for her husband, and that women have just as much, if not more sexual capacity than men do, then it really opens up. The, it gives her a lot of permission to be more sexual instead of thinking sex is just for him. A third issue is people don't realize that in every marriage, every marriage, you're going to have a higher desire spouse and a lower desire spouse. It's just a law of the universe. You're going to have one spouse that's going to be interested in sex more than the other. And, and that's not a problem unless you turn it into a problem. So how you deal with the difference in sexual desire levels is also uh, an issue. I see it with a lot of couples. The way around that is to have honest conversations and just really work together as an intimate team mm. and not as enemies around the issue. Like, mm. Hey, I want to build, like, I want a great sex life with you. Yeah. So can we work together on this? When I make sexual advances, will you respond in a you know positive way? Mm-hmm. Like, way to have a constructive like we're on the same team on this this is something we both want to build yeah if you can have those conversations it helps a lot with those desire level differences
1: not the lower desire spouse versus the higher desire the desire spouse it's the two of you versus the issue right yeah. right yeah so my younger self my inexperienced self i used to
2: like think my, something was wrong with my wife because she didn't think about sex all day like i did <laughs> yeah. like i'd walk around like can't wait for the next opportunity and like like, I can't wait to do that again. Right. And I'd ask her, don't you think the same way? She's like, no. <laughs> and I thought something was wrong with her. But no, nothing's wrong with her. Something was wrong with me. Just kidding. No. <laughs> it's just that we had different... She's just the lower... In my right. marriage, yeah. she's the lower desire spouse. But in about 30% of marriages, and, and I don't know where they get that number from, it could be more, it's the wife with a higher desire than mm-hmm. the husband. Mm-hmm. So it's really not a male-female thing, or it doesn't mean... Like one gender or how you identify is nothing about that. It's just every marriage will have a higher desire and a lower desire spouse. Yeah, and it's not just sex, by the way. Same with budgeting, in laws, right. parenting. Like you're always going to have a higher and a lower desire spouse in, in every aspect. And speaking of desire, that's the fourth thing that came to mind. And this comes back to that where I was wondering why my wife wasn't thinking about sex all the time like I was. It's well, it's also because we have different desire patterns. So a lot of, when they do all the studies and surveys, generally men experience what are what's called a more spontaneous desire pattern. That's when a little bit of a cue, like let's say my wife coming out of the shower gets me going. Like I'm ready. Like yeah. that's exciting to me. So I find that really, I can jump into sex. It feels more spontaneous to me. Whereas my for my wife, at the other end of the spectrum is called a more responsive sexual desire. And for me to walk out of the shower and for my wife to see me walk out of the shower doesn't quite do the same thing to, to her, but it does to me.
3: <laughs> You're <laughs> a good looking guy, Dan.
2: <laughs> 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 it's because she's more responsive in her desire style. So Hollywood loves the spontaneous style. That's what you see in all the movies. Right. They look at each other. They start panting. Then they rip off each other's clothes. And yeah. They're both like in the mood instantly. But that's not real life for the majority of women because... For them to feel desire, they need to feel arousal first, and then the desire comes later. To me, it's like those days when I don't feel like going to the gym or going on a run, but I put on my shoes, I change my clothes, and I go anyway. And at first, I really don't feel like it, but I'm getting my body kind of going in that direction, getting my mind going. Mm. And afterwards, I'm like, that was such a good workout. I'm so glad I did that. Yeah, uh, Sex awesome. looks a lot like that for a lot of responsive desire people. So. You gotta kind of get things moving first and kind of allow yourself at least mentally to go there first. It's a lot of mental work. But once you allow yourself to go,
1: and then desire follows after your body. I love that. I love that. And I wanna hit on these four issues a little more, but something that's kind of popped in my mind and something I've thought about for a long time is just about like the very specific and unique ways that men and women are different when it like sexually. Like, for example, like women can have multiple orgasms, men are kind of like more like everyone gives us an example that men are the microwave, women are like more the crock pot like I think that personally I, I believe that that's very intentional that God designed us that way, but I want to hear about your thoughts, Dan like what are what do you think why do you think it is that way like why do you think that we are so different sexually, and how do you think that comes together to make the most beautiful experience?
2: Oh, good, I think those differences are intentional, like let's just talk biologically speaking only like a man. Average six minutes in, he can have an orgasm. That's right. And for women, it takes on average at least 20 minutes, depending on what surveys you read. But it takes a lot longer, two and a half times longer for women to reach orgasm. So I think that's God's way of, of like, A, making it easy to perpetuate the species. That's an important part to like multiply and replenish the earth for a reproductive standpoint. So, and biologically, men can orgasm easier because that's how you—that's what needs to happen. And also probably biologically, women are a little more pickier when it comes to sex because they're inviting another human into their body who's usually larger than them. Women are usually on the bottom. They're, it's very vulnerable for them. So women are going to be a little more pickier when it comes to picking the sexual activity or who they want to have sex with. Even if it's your spouse, you're going to be a lot pickier about like, Am I do I really want to make love with you right now with mm. the way you're treating me? Like there's there's going to be a lot more pickiness on no. that. And I think that's intentional. So as you work together on these things, I think it helps. I I've heard really good advice where couples that really make sex a little more wife-centric than male-centric end up having a lot more fulfilling sex lives because uh, he is purposely slowing himself down to work with her. And uh, she has a better experience through the sexual experience too. I think husbands and wives, when they can work on their differences and create, it's no longer about a you and a me, but create a new we. Mm. And they can come together as one in a new we and invent something new together and bring their strengths together. They can create something special that that they can't create on their own.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. I I mean, some of the thoughts that I have about it is I just think that for couples to have the very best experience possible, they have to be thinking about the other person. If they're just thinking about themselves, they're just thinking about, I just want to have a good time. It's not going to be a fulfilling experience and it's not going to be like this thing that changes every aspect of your life. But when you can really become selfless and kind of embrace like the uniqueness of like each person's individual sexuality, that's kind of when I feel like it meshes together and can become this super beautiful, super impactful, like life changing, marriage changing thing. But when you're just being selfish, it just, I don't think it'll happen. I agree with that to a point. Uh, sexually speaking, I'm talking about,
2: let's say, in, I'm a little stereotypical here, but let's say wives have a harder time finding pleasure in the sexual act. Mm-hmm. If they're overly focused on their husband's pleasure, they're not going to find pleasure themselves. Totally. That can lead to a lot of resentment.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
2: So I think sex is probably the one part in your life where women are allowed to be selfish, <laughs> right? Tell your, tell your lover exactly what you want them to do and how you like it. And it's okay to, re- like for a lot of women I know, they're selfless, they're kind, they're taking care of other people, they're children, they're always serving other people. And let this be the one part in your life where you let your husband take care of you. So it can really open up a lot of possibility. And a lot of connection by allowing, at least let your husband take care of you sexually in in this, in this area.
0: I would agree with that 100%. I've been, yeah, I think I've been on the other side and I've tried to just 100% focus on Nathan. And I agree. I think it helps if you can allow yourself. I think it's hard for a lot of women because we are, like you said, a lot of times more inherently selfish and we feel bad, but I think that's, your husband is going to enjoy it and have a good time regardless usually you like generally speaking in general terms so i would agree with that 100 that's awesome. i'm nodding
1: my head over here
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so kind of i guess back to some of these like common pitfalls so you'll see i know you talked about like the duty sex We talked about the desire the lower desire spouse the higher desire spouse what were some what are some of the ways that these couples like if you're just if you're engaged right now if you're brand newly wed married you don't have any bad habits yet you haven't fallen into these pitfalls yet what are some habits or some ways that we can develop to help avoid some of these common like mistakes, common issues? Like what are some things we can do right now?
2: This first advice I have is get a good sexual education. Um, There's one, like we live in a day where there's a lot of good healthy resources that weren't available a generation ago. So if you don't have any bad habits yet, like get a good healthy sexual education. Learn about all the wonderful ways men and women can enjoy sex. Like, all the, all the great ways. And it doesn't... I'd challenge yourself to push yourself a little bit and to go outside your comfort zone and really think about what that might be for your together. And it might be trying new positions. It might be trying different sexual behaviors. It might be making it more playful. It might mean switching it up a little bit. It might be different locations. Like, make a bucket list together. Like, what are all the fun things you want to do? Like, someone once told me her bucket list is like, we want to have sex in the cave I want to somehow pull it off in a movie theater. I don't know how. I want to, you know, have sex in a car. I want to, like, she had a very awesome, like, outdoors in a grassy field. Like, she had, like, this great bucket list. And I thought that was awesome. I don't know if they'll ever achieve them all, but that what that does is it allows you to dream of it and realize that sex is something that we can actually play. This is something that's us, and we can actually, like, do something. And like something to really look forward to. Another tip I would have to avoid those ruts is remember that just like in, um, in physics, when you learn about like closed systems and entropy with, if you don't just over time in the universe, things go from a higher level of order to a low, lower level of order. That's the same with your marriage. If you don't keep dating, if you don't keep making sex a priority, this is a very easy thing for it to kind of fall into a lower priority. There are couples who, let's say after they have children, they stop dating, they stop going out, they stop really talking at a deep, intimate level. So you kind of have to work uphill against that, and it's a constant battle. been married eighteen years, and it's still like an uphill thing that we're my wife and I are both fighting for to have a good marriage and to have a good sex life. Some of the tips that can help with that is. For some couples, putting sex on the calendar, as unsexy as that might sound, actually works great for them. Like you'd put your next hair appointment on the schedule, your next work meeting or whatever, or if you have to teach in church or whatever you got to do, you like put it on a calendar so you can plan ahead for it and think about it and be well prepared when that time comes. Sex can be the same way. Like we're going to have it on this time. And so it kind of leads you to that. The third tip I have is the quality of your sexual encounters is going to be proportional to the amount of intimacy you have in your marriage. And I mean intimacy in a broad sense because when you're newly wed, everything feels new and there's plenty of things to talk about that you both agree with. So think about a Venn diagram, his circle and her circle, and there's the overlap. When you're newlywed, for a good two or three years at least, there's a plenty of stuff where those two circles overlap where you can both really enjoy, especially sexually, things that you're kind of both interested and kind of be happy about. And then one day, you're going to suggest something your spouse won't like, or she's going to bring up a complaint and it's going to like go against what you want. So then you start bumping up against the parts where your circles no longer overlap. And what a lot of couples tend to do in that case is they stop talking about their preferences because they prefer the safety of where those circles overlap over really pushing and expanding who they are. But the problem with safety in that sense is it's antithetical to intimacy because you're no longer opening up. You're no longer sharing. Instead, you're only showing the side of you that you're comfortable showing because that's the part where your other spouse will agree with you on, but you're not willing to push on things that you believe are important that your spouse doesn't necessarily agree on. I might be talking too much theory right now, but I think the point is couples fall into a rut not because of like children or because of work, but it's because they, they're afraid to really bring up their true desires because they're afraid of the rejection that, that might happen if they do. My spouse just isn't going to like that because of a ba- past experience. So really good couples learn how to be more, become more mature and to realize if I want to be really intimate with someone, I really need to open up my heart and my mind and my body to my spouse. Even if they don't like it, it's still an intimate act. It's a lot. It's very courageous, and it's not for wimps. So intimacy takes takes effort, and you get better at it over time if you keep working at
0: it. I love that. Thank you so much. I don't think that you were going off on a tangent. I think that's all super helpful and important, especially for newlyweds or couples who are going to be getting married soon. I think that's all really important.
1: Yeah, I mean, some might least probably me wrong, Dan, but my one of, some of my biggest takeaways so far from what we talked about is that it sounds like. In order to really achieve like the highest level of like like sexual fulfillment, that you kind of have to like go out of your comfort zone a little bit and just be willing to like be vulnerable and like going after those levels of intimacy, like telling your your spouse like your true, does like some of your true desires. Like I think it kind of takes that level of intimacy. That if you just get like too comfortable, you just keep doing the same thing, kind of in the same routine. Uh, it just gonna, it's not really going to be that super powerful life changing thing. But when you start to really be vulnerable, start to really like show your true authentic self, that's kind of when you can take it to the next level. Is that, I mean, is that kind of what you're... Yes. Authenticity of being honest. Yes. All of that.
3: That's awesome. Because
2: you want to be married to a person that you know is going to be honest with you, not tell you what you want to hear all the time. There's no depth to that. There's no, there's no depth of soul when they're just always on the side just to make you happy. Yeah. Like I hear of wives complain about their husbands. They just, they just don't, We just don't communicate. And what they're really saying is, he doesn't open up to me. And he's trying to figure out what's the right answer to tell her to make her think that I'm involved. Um, Let's say he constantly, let's say she's upset with something at work. And he sees that she's upset. So he wants to make her feel better, right? So he's playing all these scenarios in his head, that lightning speed, like, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say to make her feel better? She doesn't want the magical word to make her feel better. She wants him to be honest with her and tell him exactly how she feels, even if it's going to offend her in the moment. But at least she knows he's, he's got her back and that she cares enough to be honest with her. So a lot of men, I think, fall into that trap. They, they're afraid to be really authentic because they don't want to upset their wives. But it's long term. You got to be authentic and open and honest if you want to have an intimate relationship.
0: Yeah. I think that's just making me think about how really connected. Because I remember a few years ago, I first heard someone describe sex as intimacy. And I was like, I don't understand how those two are related. As a unmarried, still someone who'd never experienced sex. But the more I learn about it, intimacy, people, people use intimacy and sex sometimes synonymously, especially in the church, I've noticed. But I think as, as you're emotionally intimate, you're practicing that skill. And then when it's time to be physically intimate, your practice and you can truly do all the things that you want to do, be all the things you want to be uninhibited and and that causes that opens up a space for more closeness. So I really appreciate that.
1: And do you, Dan, for those guys or those girls out there who are struggling with like being authentic or like just being seen or like kind of sharing their true desires. Like if they have something that they really wanted, but it just scares them to death to like ask for that, how would you like what advice would you give to that person who just like I want to have this. I want to have this life-changing sexual experiences, but I just am so terrified to like just be seen and be vulnerable like that. What? When? I mean, what are some advice words? Advice that you give give that person? A three steps, maybe four steps. The first step is to consider
2: who you are as a person, like your character. Are you living in line with your true self? We use the word integrity, but what I mean in this sense is like. You're integrated as a person. Like your actions are consistent with your beliefs. So if you can live in line, just a life of integrity, first of all, it gives you a lot of personal power. So when you say things, people know that you mean it. Uh, You practice what you preach, so to speak. If you can really be in line with that. I think the second step is to really get clear in what you really want and why you want it. One example that person might want, I don't know, is like introducing new toys into the marriage like sex toys, a vibrator, let's say, and really get clear on what it is that you want or why you want that. What is it that feels about you? you and get really clear about that. And then the third step would be to really get clear on what you think your spouse feels about it. And that requires you to become really humble, put your feelings aside for a moment and to get really curious. And I believe curious is the opposite of being judgmental. So when you can be really curious with your spouse and like say, "What? I just really want to know what you think about these things to the point where you feel, believe you can like argue their side of the story even better than, you can ar- like better than they can, because you really understand it. And then you can evaluate and weigh it. And then just make your request known. There's a difference between a request and a demand. A request is when you claim a desire. It's like, this is important to me. This interests me. It would mean a lot to me if we would incorporate toys into our marriage or whatever your request might be. A demand is when you kind of emotionally punish your spouse for not going along with it. So understand how you're going to handle the rejection. Make a plan like, what kind of husband do I want to be? Or what kind of wife do I want to be? If they're not going to be into this, how am I going to respond? Am I going to react and withdraw and like sulk? Or am I going to try to pressure them and control them and like try to convince them why their idea is bad or whatever? Or am I going to be the best friend and try to really understand them on this thing? So kind of really make up your mind and and
1: go for it and then decide.
0: I love that. Thank you. I think that answers that question really well. So I guess
1: I love that. And I think that just like, you know, talking about like being authentic, being honest, being vulnerable is, is so crucial. If someone, if a couple is like, man, Dan, I hear about you and you're having this awesome experience where like you, you guys start learning about sex and you just get really into it and you guys, your whole lives are changing. You guys, every aspect of your life gets so much better. Like, what do you think is like the first step for a couple to like go down that path? Like, what would you say is like that first step for them to say, okay, the first thing we need to do is, what would you say like the first thing that they should start doing? I get it's probably, I know obviously it's individual for every couple, but what would you say like as a general piece of advice for like each couple to start doing?
2: A conversation is where it starts. I think starting to talk about it, which can feel really scary at first. Like, what do you think about this? Right? And especially if you can have a conversation and be calm about it and kind of be collected and be really authentic and honest, that's where it all starts. So inside the Intimately S app, there's a section for conversation starters. And there's various categories, but sex and intimacy is one of those categories. If you want like, ideas of where to start a conversation, you can pull that up and uh, go through some of those questions together. It might be, uh, but that's where it begins to really begin, just have those conversations and to really come together on those things. I found in my marriage, there are times when my wife and I might disagree on something like sexually, for instance, and it's easy for me to go down this hole of like kind of viewing her as the enemy, like it's a tug of war and she's on that other side and I'm like tugging against her, trying to get her to change her mind on something. And that never, in my experience, this has never resulted in a great outcome. (laughs) But instead of looking at her kind of as the enemy or or whatever on the situation, like we're together and kind of move to her side, which sometimes might require me to set my ego aside. And it might require her to set her ego aside too. But really come together. I think that really helps. So we talked about conversation. We talked about setting aside your ego. During the last general conference, in between conferences, there was a little program that they they aired about councils in the church. They talked about how the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve and, and how the church does a council. And if you're not familiar with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think this principle applies to many organizations. It's just how do you get a, a really diverse group of people to really work together and to agree on so many varying issues. And I love, what really inspired me is just the spirit of the council is we're all going to come to this with different angles and look at it differently, but we're hundred percent committed to coming out of this together on the same page. So it's it's more of like an attitude. It's it's an approach. It's like a humble approach, we're gonna work at this together. So when I think that's how you start to have a really good sex life. Imagine, of course, I can say, oh, do this trick, or it's it's moving your thumb 90 degrees to the right or whatever it is, right? It's these tricks or whatever. And I don't disagree. All of those things are super helpful, but you can find information about that easily. But imagine having sex with a person who has all the skills down, okay? They're really good at, like, at the skill. And then imagine having sex with another person who's your best friend, who knows you, who cares about you, who knows your sense of humor, and just really likes you and really likes being with you. What is going to be a better sexual experience? I think the latter will be a little bit better. Like, it might be the most vanilla ordinary sex, but like being face to face and skin to skin and just hugging this person that just matters the world to you, I think has much longer enduring. I'm not, I'm not discounting like all the techniques and, and, and ways to make sex pleasurable. That's all super important too, but that's only a piece of the puzzle. It's, it's that relationship. That's, I think, what, what couples, that's not what you're going to read in a Cosmo magazine. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you're going to read in a in a movie. It's it's really it's that relationship that I think it really adds a lot of depth and specialness to the sexual experience. That makes it so that I don't know it it's something that only two of you can create, and only two of you would ever really understand. That's mm-hmm. what makes it even more precious.
0: And I think the other things you can learn. So it's yeah. it really yeah. comes down to that relationship.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I, I couldn't agree more. Something I want to add on to that. And I, I think I love. I think that's just so, so perfect, and I do think that like there's so, so much value too in like making sure that the friendship and like like that comes first before like the sexual like making sure that your foundation is built on like friendship and love first, and then you can add on these amazing sexual experiences and just take off just like Dan said, so I think that's so awesome
2: if if you are at that place and you want to take it to the next level, here's something I wish I knew early on in my marriage and for me with my lack of sexual education i of course for a man the pleasure center is, is his penis and i i thought the equivalent for a woman was was the vagina because that's what they say a man has a penis and a woman has a vagina which is true women do have vaginas but like but when it comes to pleasure i i was always so frustrated like how come this doesn't feel good to you i'm touching your vagina doesn't that like i'm in there deep doesn't that feel good because it feels good to me so a lot of men automatically think if it feels good to me like this. And if that's your equivalent body part, it must feel good to you too. And just realizing, no, it's for her, it's the sexual center for women is, is the clitoris. So and I guess a good, for me, it was helping me understand like anatomically, like this is her pleasure area. There's a lot of fun that you can have with sex when you make it use a lot of um, fantasy role play. And I, I don't necessarily mean like dressing up and being in character, although that can be a part of it. But if you can bring in like a psychological aspect to ar- arousal. For instance, a lot of women, 80% of women report they love sex when husband is dominating. Like when he's, he's like telling her in a playful way, take off your clothes. All right, get over here. And, and like telling her what to do, like bossing around. A lot of women really respond warmly to that. They, they like kind of being dominated a little bit. So, a lot of men need, they might be uncomfortable with that, but you can talk about with your spouse and kind of what do you like and like practicing kind of being a little more playfully dominating in the bedroom. That tends to go really well if you're, if that's like your style. Toys are great. I think toys are fantastic inventions because they really add, they can add a lot of spice. They can add a lot of novelty and a lot of, they can just hit the spots where just you normally can't hit very well and just make sexually fun and enjoyable there's games locations all the things there's lots of yeah. ways you, you get really creative and it can become a really fun creative outlet for you and your spouse to like well let's try this let's try that let's different That's
1: awesome. yeah perf that was a perfect little sneak peek down to like the nitty-gritty so if that if piqued your interest guys go download intimately us you are gonna love it there's a lot <laughs> more of that where where that came from so there's a lot of good stuff in there but I, Dan, this has been super helpful. There's been so many great things that I'm taking away from this. Like it's just been such an awesome conversation. I want to just ask like my last two questions for you. I feel like a big thing for a lot of couples, especially if you've grown up your whole life, you've been you've been a virgin, you're in the church, you're told no, 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 no. Now you get married, and you've had these. You've been probably fantasizing about getting married. You're fantasizing about your wedding night, fantasizing about your first year of marriage, and just imagining I don't know whatever your fantasy is. I feel like a lot of times your expectations don't meet reality. What are some ways that we can I mean, have appropriate expectations. And maybe if our expectations don't end up meeting a reality, it's totally different. I'm the guy that wanted oral sex on my my wedding night and my wife was totally against that. What are some ways we can then adapt and kind of restart if our expectations don't don't end up meeting our reality? Yeah. So having
2: conversations ahead of time, maybe a month or six weeks before your wedding, kind of that might be a good time to start having those get expectations clear. Also, Having your expectations a little lower, like lowering your expectations means yeah. less chance of getting disappointed. So like, just go easy with it. People might m- have this unrealistic expectation that sex is supposed to be amazing. And it, and it is, but the reality is it's, it's a learned behavior. You learn how to have sex. It's something you like, it takes a lot of practice. And in reality, 5 to 15% of all encounters are duds. So you're going to have a few select experiences that are like earth shattering, earthquake, like stars moved, like type sex. Then you have a big chunk in the middle that are like fine. And then a bunch that are like, eh, it's okay. And then duds. So (laughs) like, that's just the way it is. There are going to be times when you're tired and your body is just not going to respond. Or for men, realize you can have an, you can ejaculate without an orgasm and that's really disappointing, but that's going to happen sometimes. Like your body just won't respond all the way or you're going to be through times when you're really stressed. And every time you feel pressure, especially around sex, your body is going to behave in the opposite way. So when you feel a lot of pressure and to to perform, or it feels like a performance or like I need to do this so that my wife feels better, my husband feels better, your body is just going to like, not work the way you want to work. So just the less pressure you can put on yourself and like the more ease you can have moving into it and the more open you're willing to be with your spouse about your expectations, I think that will help the most.
0: Hopefully if you aren't married and you're listening to this, those things will help you as well. I I think that I didn't realize a lot of those things that you just mentioned that I learned the hard way, right? that it's not going to be perfect every time. But yeah, so hopefully, hopefully those of you who are not married yet, that this is helpful in normalizing totally. some of those things. So. Yeah, I think
1: that's crucial about especially the pressure. Just like not trying to reduce the pressure. Trying I think that's kind of something you hit on a lot with your app too, is like making it fun, like making it something you can laugh about, making it something you can joke about. Like there's just not, not stressing so much about it, not not having so much pressure about it. I think is really important. But I guess just to wrap up, Dan, like I said, this has been super awesome. What would be your final pieces of advice, you know, for these couples, these dating, engaged, newlywed couples out there? How can they We've hit on so many great points and maybe it's maybe you're just restating something you've already said. but what's your biggest piece of advice? What would be your number one thing that you would tell these couples?
2: A great marriage isn't built off of doing some expensive, glamorous trip uh, sporadically. A really good marriage is built off of little tiny, microscopic things you do for each other on a consistent daily basis. So the best way you can build your marriage is by tiny little things every day. Can you every day do something to show love to your spouse, whether it be writing a note, giving a back scratch, texting, saying, hey, I'm thinking of you, or something a little more flirtatious, whatever. Like do some little thing every day. That's going to make a bigger change in your marriage than some big thing or
1: therapy or something like that.
0: I love that. That's very inspiring.
1: <laughs> yeah. I. Well, what that made me think about too, is that like sometimes I think we get so caught up in like, the sexual act of intimacy that like those little daily things are what's going to build up like the emotional and like the love and like the the, the lasting intimacy and friendship that's going to then lead you to like the earthquake stars aligning you know like the perfect moments you know what I'm saying Yeah. yeah couldn't agree more okay well Dan thank you so much Allie, is there anything else you want to add in here? Before no, we...
0: I loved it all. I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. There. Yeah, so I, so I hope you, you guys have been taking
1: on. notes. Guys, go download Intimately. Yes, like it's a. There's a free app. There's a free version. There's a premium version. Even the free version has so many awesome tools. You guys can look at. You can look through all like the articles. You can learn. You know, it's going to be a safe place. You guys can actually explore and you can like have those open conversations about this. Get to down the nitty-gritty to what's going to help you guys have the best exercise possible and we hope that we can all keep learning and growing together. So thank you so much, Dan. We really appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thank you.